Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar. This is episode 13. It always throws me off when I press record and I get a metronome count off. It's because most of the time I'm using Logic to compose and do, you know, music. So when I do audio stuff and I get counted off at 120 BPM, which is the default, it kind of freaks me out. I don't think I'm talking in rhythm anymore, though. I think I lost the time pretty quickly. My guest today is Ian Mahan. He was just over here last night, and I'm actually recording this monologue this morning. This is, I think, the earliest I've ever done a monologue. It's before noon, so yay to me. Ian and I have a lot in common. Um, we both love baseball. We're both singer-songwriters. We both... I, I think there's a few other things, too. That's all I can think of off the top of my head, but in the episode, it's apparent that we might be uh, brothers from other mothers or something or whatever it is. Sisters from other misters. What's the saying? Anyway, uh, and, and you know what? We do, we do BS back and forth a lot because we have a, a really good connection. So the first 19 or so minutes, we're pretty much just talking trash about baseball and his love for the Cubs and the 2016 World Series and him growing up raised by a single mother. So if you want to just hear the music stuff, you're going to you know skip to about uh, the 21-minute mark. But if you want to hear our great conversation and uh, find out about Ian's unfortunate love for the Chicago Cubs, listen to the whole damn thing, huh? All right, let's get into it. Before we start, I want to say a quick thanks to our sponsor, PQ Mastering. Patrick at PQ Mastering out of Las Vegas, Nevada, puts the finishing touches on this podcast. For any of your audio restoration needs, you can go to their website, www.pqmastering.com, and contact Patrick directly from there. All right, let's do the show. So, undoubtedly, two years ago, going into extra innings in Game 7 of the World Series is the most—no uh, uh, World Series has ever done that before. It's the most exciting World Series on paper of all time. The Cubs and the Indians. I have a lot of family from Ohio. I was raised a huge Reds fan, also an Indians fan. And you are the biggest diehard I know for this trashy team on the other side of the diamond. And you guys pulled it off, man. Game seven and extras. Yep. I don't know what to say about it. <laughs> except for the fact that every time I look at your face, I get just a little bit disgruntled about it. Just a little disgruntled? <laughs> My face makes you disgruntled, huh? Well, I like to think I'm starting to get over it. It's been a couple years, but... But nah, not all the way. You know what I have to say to that? Yeah. Is that your second beer? This is my second. Oh, I need to catch up. Yeah. Um, we're, we're drinking Tommy Knocker Blood Orange IPA, <laughs> bought from the brewery. Get that. Get that sponsorship. That's right. Um, yeah. No, it was. It was definitely one of the the greatest moments of my life. Definitely. Uh, I was hanging out at a uh, <clears throat> at a bar here in Denver, actually. Um, watching that game and um me too what bar uh, i was at wyman's oh wyman's I, number five i was uh 
I I was teaching that night. I think it was a Tuesday. Yeah, it I was uh, November November second. And I I got done teaching, and I couldn't bear to drive home. My last lesson started as the game was starting, so I had it up on my phone, hiding on a music stand so the student couldn't see. And as soon as the game ended, I went down to the hideaway down the street from uh, my teaching studio in Castle Rock, and uh, and I sat up at the bar, and it was me and a bunch of Cubs fans because everybody was a make-pretend Cubs fan that year. Yeah, but, I mean, come on. They've been so bad. You can't be mad. You can't be mad at okay. Cubs fans. They've been so bad for so long, and then in 2016, they argument. finally pulled it out. Here's my argument. I know the whole, you know, bringing your pet into the stadium in 1907 and the curse and all that, but the Indians have notoriously sucked for such a long time. The last time they won, I think, was 1948 when Bob Feller yeah. was, was pitching for the Indians. But... And the Cubs, I know it was a lot longer, but the Cubs have been one of the most popular teams in baseball forever. They're one of the teams, the yeah, Cubs, lovable the losers. Red Sox, the Yankees. Lovable losers. Everybody loves those teams, the Cardinals, the Dodgers. Nobody likes the Indians. They made that baseball, they made that movie, Major League, about the Indians because nobody likes them. Well, I, it's got to have something to do with that logo. The thing that pissed me <laughs> off, which they're doing away with this year, Um <laughs> and I have the old school Chief Wahoo right to your white uh, right. Yeah, um, I see that. And all the Reds World Series to your left. I my the thing that disgruntled me about the world's about that World Series was that everybody was a Cubs fan because they they projected them as the underdog, but they sure. weren't. They were the, the everybody loved the Cubs. They had gone longer without winning, but everyone loved the Cubs. The Indians. Nobody's going to jump on the Indians' bandwagon. No. And the Cubs were also, I mean, that year they were also the best team in baseball. Yes. They, they, Easily. Yeah, they scored more than, who knows, their run differential was insane. Insane. Was just, we were up, the Indians were up three to one. Yeah. yeah. If we don't start talking about music right now, we're going to keep talking about baseball, <laughs> which wouldn't bother me, but it might bother some of the listeners. Well, yeah, considering this is a, a music podcast, I feel. Yeah. Know, those who tune in to... uh Learn about the inner workings of um, being a a working working class middle class songwriter um, had better also be baseball had fans. better also be baseball fans. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think anybody wants to tune in and hear us rant about. I although I seven will gigs. say before we move on to another topic because I haven't been able to say this yet. There's part of me that has ambitions to occasionally interview someone not in the music industry. And yeah. I've thought about professional athletes. Like, just get, I mean, not not a huge name athlete, but like a backup second baseman, you know? A backup second baseman. just a real lollipop of a guy in the dugout. Yeah. It, because it kind of fits the middle star, uh, middle class rock star vibe, but in a different profession, I think. What's, really uh, cool. what's Benny the Jet Rodriguez up to right now? Is he doing anything? He's, I mean. <laughs> you know what? He's probably still playing ball somewhere. Is he retired? No. But I think, uh, but I think uh, who's the catcher? Porky, I can't think of his ham. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Close enough. He's probably looking for work. Yeah, yeah. The Hambino, the great, the, Hambino. the great Hambino. So let's uh, let's let's jump back. So it's not a complete uh, one eighty. We can keep on the topic of your beloved Chicago. Sure, that's where you grew up. Yeah, um, grew up in uh, uh, Chicago. Is a loose term. I feel like anybody who tells you <clears throat> they grew up in Chicago didn't really grow up in the city they tell you that they you know they, they grew up in the city but they actually grew up in a suburb 
north, south, west of the city. And um, I actually grew up in uh, in a city called Rockford, Illinois. And uh, it's about an hour northwest of Chicago. So basically, if you're going to Rockford, you just keep going. Just go to Wisconsin. Um, gotcha. And uh, kind of right on the tip of the Rockford and Belvedere area. And uh, it's it's pretty rural out there until you get into Rockford. And then there's a little bit of a semblance of city life. And then you keep going west. And there's an area called Pecatonica where I spent a lot of time growing up. Uh, feeding pigs on um, this farm that was owned by some family friends and uh, it was like my favorite thing to do um, but yeah so I, I, I grew up in pig feeder Cubs fan it's yeah. intriguing so far yeah so far so far um, you know Rockford yeah, I think a couple of years ago was ranked number three in the nation for murder so okay there's that so it's not a small town no it's uh, I think nowadays it's got about 150,000 people which is severely less than the city of Denver, but <laughs> um, it, it, it's not small. So but it's it not is, a good murder rate. It's it's not a good murder <laughs> rate. <laughs> Definitely not. No, but uh, yeah. So you know, spent a lot of time in Illinois as a kid, and um, moved here before high school, and uh, went to high school in uh, Denver, Colorado. And um, so you got when did you move out here exactly? Uh, when I was about ten. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you could ju- at this point you could just as easily be a Rockies fan. I could. Maybe you don't like the Rockies. Uh, I don't dislike the Rockies. Okay. I All don't right. dislike the Rockies. Yeah, but you were, you were ten. You were still here for the Blake Street Bombers a little yeah. bit at the tail end of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's hard not to get excited. About yeah. That. Uh. Yeah, because when when did the Rockies become a team? What? Ninety three, I think. Ninety three. Yeah. Yep. So. I mean, the Rockies were still pretty new when I was here. Yeah. So when, when I came to Colorado, so thing. yeah, it was yeah it was, and uh, you know I remember kind of the glory days, Andres Galarraga and sure. Dante Bichette, and yeah. So okay, all right. I I, I remember it. I I definitely there. remember the uh, first Avalanche Stanley Cup. Okay. You know, because um, I wasn't alive for at that point the most recent Chicago Blackhawks Stanley Cup. I only remember the Avalanche Stanley Cup. So mm-hmm. uh, the Avalanche are kind of like my second adopted team. Okay. Um, you're an Avs fan. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so you can stay in the state even though you're not a full native. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. okay yeah. Word. I can so, I, I can speak about history of the team. Okay. That's more more than most local that's fans more than can. Most actually. local fans yeah. can. That's right. So you came when you were 10 years old. And uh, so you did middle school and high school. Yeah. In Colorado. Where'd you go to high school? I went to uh, Regis Jesuit High School. Ah, okay. Yes, a uh, <laughs> at the time an all boys Catholic high school. I went to Catholic school. Did you wear uniforms? Uh, no, we had a dress code. Yeah. Okay. Well, how strict was the dress code? Uh, always uh, collared shirt, um, khakis. You know, about the same as us. No outside back pockets. Pretty much, uh, shirt tucked in, belt always. Which you know, it only made my butt look better. I don't know if yeah, I definitely they were penalizing definitely. Me for it. What's what I find weird is um, nowadays I can't go anywhere without a belt. Right, but then you were being forced to wear a belt. Right, and it was a thing. Right, and then it like, and now I just feel weird without a belt. Now I feel like my pants will actually fall down without that belt. They may. They may. I mean, uh, it, it, it's weird. It, it's weird how like little things like that that used to annoy you when you were, you know, 
14, 15, 16. Right. All of a sudden you're like, well, I'm really glad that I, I learned how to wear a belt. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, you always had to be clean shaven. Your hair couldn't be lower than your collar, so on and so forth. Yeah. Okay. So very similar. Yeah. I, I feel like really similar experiences. To, yeah. To, to what I did. And did you, what was your thing in, in high school? Were you a, a sports guy? Were you a band nerd? What was, how yeah. would we label you? Oh man. Um, well, the, the weird thing about going to an all boys Catholic high school is, um, there's no girls. Well, yeah, there's no girls, uh, which, which sucks. But, uh, I, the, the real big problem that you get in that is, you know, there's a thousand boys in a building and every single one of them is trying to establish themselves as the alpha male. And so in my graduating class, there were about 220 kids and 220 boys. Yeah. 220 boys, um, all trying to be the alpha male. And this may, this probably is going to be a major shock to you, but I was not the alpha male in my class. Major Uh, shock. Yeah. No. Um, I, I did do sports. Um, I, uh, I ran track and, uh, I tried to play soccer, but I was really involved in taekwondo at the time. And yeah, <laughs> I did taekwondo. We're like sisters. <laughs> we, 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 I, I think we talked about this. Okay, okay. So, um, I'm a black belt in taekwondo. I had done it for years leading up to high school, and you know, I, I was so heavily involved that it really took up a lot of time, and then, um. I suffered a pretty gruesome knee injury uh, when I was 16 and then kind of had to take a little bit of a break from the athletic portion and then I got into theater and uh, and I'd taken piano lessons since I was like six maybe okay and um, and so you know artistic endeavors the arts were really all I knew past athleticism in taekwondo so you know knee injury happened and then that's where i kind of in kind of invested my time you're either going to become left-footed or get into music yeah re- yeah pretty yeah. much yeah i, I you know <laughs> and I, I i acted in some plays uh in high school and um yeah it, it, it was an interesting high school experience wow yeah I, I mean i could go on and on about the overprivileged nature of my high school and you know how being raised by a single mother was very different and um you're raised by a single mother yeah yeah well that was an important detail we left out in the first chapter yeah well <laughs> that's, let's talk about that a little bit yeah um i don't i don't know if i've interviewed anybody that was raised by a single mother or yeah. i may have we may have left out a lot of things Maybe. in people's first chapters uh my mom was a rock star total rock star um, your newest single that, yeah. that just came out on Christmas Day is Christmas about your Day. mom. It is about my mom. Yeah. Um yeah, I wrote it about her. I I hadn't really hadn't really digested or tried to write about my parents in any of my musical endeavors. I was always trying to write um I was always trying to write about chicks that I was into. <laughs> but um yeah. At, at, at a certain point you get really bored trying to do that. And so um, 
as I've gotten older, you know, I feel like this is the case for everybody. As you get older, you realize what's more important. Like, are things more important? Are experiences more important? Well, you know, experiences are immensely more important than things. And the experiences I've had growing up, you know, with my mom and watching how hard she worked, you know, she put me through private school my entire life. And she was just, she she's awesome. I mean, she's stellar. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, she's yeah, yeah, she's she's incredible. Did uh, you have any like insecurities about not having a dad or anything like that? Mm. Is that awkward to ask? Mm. Mm. Did that? Did that? No, this is super important. Um, I think, kind of in today's world in general, um, I, I'm probably not alone in this, and I, I think you'd agree is, you know, kind of the world we live in. There's a lot of toxic masculinity of, you know. Um, <clears throat> it, well, what it means to kind of be a man, I think, is a very skewed perspective. Well, not since the Gillette commercial came out. It's definitely not. No, yeah, now. yeah. That, um, <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I, I did have some insecurities. Yeah, um, my mom always made sure that I was really that, that I had some really great role models. Um, my godfather, um, who who came over from Iran um, during the Iran hostage crisis. He has been my father for a majority of my life, like was present for everything. Let me, you know, borrow his Dodge Viper to go to prom and, um, you know, would give me cash to go do things with my friends or, you know, would would kind of spoil me and, and be that kind of fatherly role. But, um, there were moments where I was where I was insecure about not having a a steady male figure in my life at all times. Right. Um, and those get weird at times. Those moments where you're like, "Well, am I being manly? Like, am I being what the world thinks I should be as a man?" Right. And um, so yeah, in a way, there were some insecurities, but I think my mom did an incredible job of really making sure that I felt like I had everything I needed. So that's awesome. So yeah. she was, she was mom and dad. Yeah. She was mom and dad. Yeah. Wow. Tommy had to drive. That was the worst experience though. <laughs> right. Well, it sounds like, it sounds like she, she filled the void and then some for you. Yeah. Which is killer. Yeah. 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 She, uh, she made sure that, you know, I had everything I wanted and that I didn't go without. As much as as much as she could, yeah. That's 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 pretty incredible. And you still have a very good relationship with her. Yeah, yeah. Where she, <laughs> where she live? Uh, she lives in Colorado. Okay. Yeah. So she she's nearby. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So moving back forward, now that we covered the emotional <laughs> roller coaster in chapter one and your formative years, let's yeah. Let's let's jump back forward. So you're doing theater. Uh, musical theater, right? Or yeah, just theater of any kind. I, uh, I actually, <laughs> the uh, the theater teacher at my high school. When I when I first let on that I could sing, it wasn't in high school. It was after I'd graduated, and the first play I tried out for, I ended up getting the lead in, and the theater director, really like, kind of took to me in a way. Uh, this sounds overly arrogant but um 
I was like this kid who never tried out for theater, but then landed a leading role in a high school play with a bunch of students that went on to go major in theater in college. Yeah. And, you know, so I was with these people and the theater director tried to get me to uh, audition for the musical that same year. And I kind of passed it off. I said, no, I don't sing. I don't sing. That's not manly. No. Um, but a year later, um, or two years later, after after I'd graduated and started to really kind of pursue being a musician or a, a songwriter in some capacity, you know, I did little demos on GarageBand on my MacBook and uh, kind of created CDs and I passed them around and I went to go visit my high school and go see a play. Um, and I handed the theater director one and she was so pissed. Really? And so mad at me that I never tried out for a musical. So. <laughs> <laughs> wow. She was so mad. So this is her fault. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, I mean, yeah. I really, yeah, she was mad. So let's, let's jump up a little bit. Sure. When do you... When do you decide to get into into music? Ooh. Um, I dated this girl in high school who, when I was really starting to express an interest in songwriting and, and music, she uh, basically told me that it wouldn't ever work and that I probably wouldn't ever be good enough to do it. Yeah. So I think the, the seed was planted in high school. And... Um, it wasn't until college when I really like kind of was like, okay, like I like doing this. I like writing music. I, I like performing. I I like writing music way more than performing, but I like both of them. And I, I kind of took to it. It was kind of a combination of, um, you know, it, it was almost kind of a combination of the attention you get from being an athlete and all of that kind of coming to a culmination in and of itself but then I I kind of just ended up falling in love with it like the process um, which is a s- strange thing to say but I ended up just really falling in love with the process of what it took to make a song yeah, and then put it out there and say it's okay if you think this sucks but I like this and I'm really proud of this but and what so, about the process what about I mean Specifically, when you say the process, so yeah. more than the finished product, yeah, which is what I like. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, your finished pro- your finished products are always great. So, oh, thank you. Come on, but but, but my point is, the work sucks. <laughs> yeah, but that's what you like. The process. Yeah, there's there's a, a a very high level of self improvement, though. I think in the process of songwriting, mm-hmm. you know, as you're as you're writing, um, and and I didn't realize this. Early on, I, I was always just trying to go for what was kitschy and, and you know, catchy and maybe possibly a little mean yeah. um, to ex-girlfriends and so on and so forth. Right. But now it's like, I, I forever ago I was writing a song and I came up with this very just bland line. And the line basically said, I don't know how this feels. And a friend of mine... Um, who is who's produced and recorded a lot of my music he goes yeah but you're a songwriter like come up with something better and he was right and i was like gosh like 
that's such an important part. Like, improve upon how I'm trying to say this. Improve upon what I'm writing and how I'm writing. And don't just take the easy way out. Right. You know, really stretch your limits. Put yourself to work. And that's where the process has become such an important part of my writing is I love it so much because I have to work so hard at it. And I, I think a lot of that is inherent to, you know, growing up with a single mom who I watched work all the time. Yeah. She just worked, 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 worked. And so I think a lot of her work ethic rubbed off on me. And, you know, I think that's why I love the process is because I'm always having to constantly work. So, You're yeah. in love with it? Yeah, yeah, I, I love the process. That's killer. Yeah. Um, what are you, so you started writing songs and you haven't stopped. How old are you now? I'm 30. That's right, you just turned 30. Just turned 30. Hey. Yeah. How's your, how's your uh, hairline? It is bad. It is really bad. Well, the hat makes it look like you still got a full head. Yeah, the hat makes it look good. Yeah. Um, it's it's bad. It's I've I've got, you know, two really nice cul-de-sacs working on my head now, and uh, yeah, gray hair just <laughs> really showing up everywhere. Is it coming in? Yeah. I don't see any gray hair. I found it, it's really noticeable on the sides. I've had a gray hair in my nose the other day. It was disturbing. Oh, uh, but yeah. your wife didn't divorce you. She did not. She didn't even say I had it there. Oh, so much she loves she's me. Sweet. <laughs> um, she she's totally seen it. She's just <laughs> saving my feelings. Yeah, yeah. So, and I want to talk about too. You started writing songs and started playing live shows, mm-hmm. playing original music and covers. Mm-hmm. You're somebody who also has a day job. Yeah, I want to talk about that a little bit. What is your day job? Why is it that you still have one? Yeah, I mean, and and I, I don't mean that in a degrading. No, yeah, yeah. What the hell? <laughs> but like, it's sort of by choice, I think, for you a little bit. If you really wanted to do music and just music, you could, and and you probably will someday. But you're holding on to the day job. What is it? And yeah, tell us about it a little bit. Um, man, that's that's a. It's kind of a tough and an easy question to answer, but the the tough part would be. Um. You know, it's music so far just hasn't covered all the expenses of my life and then some. Um, having a day job also like makes me realize how precious my time to create is, so I try to make the most of it at that point. Um, the easy, <laughs> the easy answer to that would be, um, yeah, I'd I'd love to just dive headfirst into music, but also. It just, music is so precious and like opportunities for it are so precious and, you know, to be able to share and and just play your own music. Yeah, it's, man, that's that's a tough one. (laughs) Yeah, it it is a choice. Um, Could I try to make it work 100%? But also like there's a level of security. But it's a lifestyle that you want, right? Yeah, as a, for now. Yeah, it's a, it's a lifestyle that, you know, I kind of enjoy. Like, there's there's a little bit of a responsibility attached to it, and um, you know, and I just 
I, I think this harkens back to what I was saying earlier in that I watched my mom work so hard throughout my entire life that I think if I was only pursuing music, like I'm, I'm almost afraid that I would only do the bare minimum that I would need to do to make music work. And this makes me work really hard at everything I do. Because you only have a precious amount of time. Right. Precious amount of time. It, okay, but if you could have it your way. Sure. Uh, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. What is your what does your work day look like? And tomorrow's not a Friday, by the way. It's a Monday. In yeah, this, yeah, in this hypothetical. Okay. In this hypothetical scenario. Yeah, um, yeah and, and and be honest. Sure. If you don't want to go to work tomorrow and you'd rather be doing something else to make your full income, tell yeah. us about it. Um, I mean, I definitely. I who wants to go to work? I mean, really. Um, no. Um, I, ideally, you know, like. My work day would be a lot of writing. Um, and, and I don't think that's exclusive to music. Um, I would, I, I used to write CD reviews for the college newspaper in college. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and there was a point in time where I was like, man, I'd really maybe like to write for Cosmopolitan magazine. And just where and, was college, by the way? Uh, Colorado State. Okay. Um, Shit, so. we don't. We just don't like each other for sports. Yeah, we'll skip over it. <laughs> in Fort Collins, um, which has a great music scene, by the way, just yeah, a phenomenal music scene. Um, so I used to write CD reviews, and I was like, man, maybe I want to write for Rolling Stone or a- anything to be involved with music. And then I was like, maybe I want to write for Cosmopolitan magazine, and you know, kind of be a lifestyle journalist there. And writing is just so cathartic for me in any way shape or form that my day would just consist of writing entirely from the moment i woke up to the moment I, you would love it yeah i i'd, I'd love it would you co-write yeah or would um, it be solo no it would definitely be co-writing too um, do you, do you, do you enjoy both yeah so i mean you want to write by yourself sometimes i think sometimes you have to yeah I if you could do one, if you could write one song tomorrow, would you write it with somebody else, or would you write it with yourself? Uh, well, I'm, you know, a beer and a half deep, so right now it would be with somebody else. But <laughs> who? Um, shit, Andy, let's write. Okay, let's, let's write tomorrow. Do you want? Do, why don't? By the time we finish this podcast, it'll be tomorrow. Should we just write a song before you leave? Yeah, I think so. All right, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, like, the, there's not a dream team of writers that. I would write with uh, writing with you would be stellar. Um, Let's do it. There's a th- there's a handful of artists that I know that I would love to write with. Um, and outside of that, I don't know that I run out that I would want to write with enough people to really venture out and track them down. Right. So I, you know, I think if I had to write tomorrow, I'd write on my own. But awesome. Um, Who's not to say that the next day I wouldn't call you or call, um, you know, one of the handful of songwriters that we both know. You, talk, you talked about Olivia, who is on yeah. episode three of the podcast. Olivia Rudin as Man, one of your songwriters. She is, she's one of my top five favorite songwriters in the world, Boom. including people who sell platinum records. You know, like she is such an incredible songwriter. And so, I mean, even writing with her, I'd be like, wow, I don't, I don't belong in this room, so one of us needs to leave, and it's definitely me. But she, I mean, she's such a stellar writer that 
I think I would just soak up watching her process. Yeah, I, I got to write with her once or twice. And you know what? It was it was like I got tricked. Like I remember we she came over to my house and we uh we grilled some hot dogs and hung out and chatted for a little bit and we sat down with the guitar and then we were drinking again. And it was as if the song process had never happened, but by the time we started having a beer together, the song was done. Like I felt I yeah. literally felt like I got tricked somehow. I was like, wait a minute, the hard work what happened? Like it was so easy writing with yeah. her. It just because and you know what, if there's one thing I could I could tell you about my writing experience with Olivia as opposed to co writing with anybody else I've written with, um, she's very easygoing. Um, if I, when you have two songwriters like myself, I write solo almost all the time. I'm really insecure about writing with other people. I kind of hate it. I mean, sure. but I want to try it more. But I mostly write by myself. If there's a writer who's really stuck on something, I feel like she's the kind of person, from my experience with her, who just goes with it. If you, if If the line needs to be, I love the way your mustache shines in the morning, she'll take that and work off of it. You know, right, right. If 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 I just need that to be the line and that's cool because we don't have you don't have like two songwriters that are like, yeah, but I like this. Yeah, but I like that. Yeah, but I like this. Yeah, but I like that. She was very. And again, it's been a long time since we wrote a song together, but it it went by so easy. And as I've thought about it since, I think that's probably what it was. It's yeah. just very. It goes with the flow and makes whatever better and yeah. contributes great ideas of course she has a song called brooklyn dodgers that absolutely wrecks me every time i hear it it just i'll make sure to tag her on the show notes it ruins me we should have had you play a cover for this episode yeah i couldn't <laughs> i could not play that song <laughs> she's she's incredible uh that that song alone just makes me sit there and and, and kind of go i hate you hate the fact that you can write this and it it seems so effortless for her she she's one of the hardest working songwriters i know but yeah it seems so effortless but I, I just sit there and i'm like how'd you do that damn it <laughs> she's good she's yeah good. She's yeah. incredible yeah she blows my mind um and i i sam lee was the episode uh our last episode who tours with her constantly yeah tour as a duo yeah, sam's an incredible songwriter too he's awesome he's awesome those um, nashville peeps man those nashville peeps so let's get into that a little bit yeah um i want to i want to make sure to talk about licensing with you because you've had some success in that realm sure also some of the people you've opened for is a in in the live performance realm yeah. and since we're talking about nashville yeah you I think you're saying it in public for the first time you are planning on moving to nashville yeah uh, you, at how original point. at some point yeah how original uh, uh you know olivia and sam both former denver singer songwriters i'll say denver is as well represented as anybody in nashville and i'll stand by it with a <laughs> yeah. sword god damn it absolutely absolutely um yeah i mean and and um nashville just it, it breeds creativity and collaboration i i feel like in nashville songwriting is very collaborative and people are way more willing to work together um to create a product that's loved in in denver it's a little 
competitive versus collaborative. I feel like there's a little bit of a competition going on. I think that, I think you're right. I agree with you. Although I do think in recent months or year, I see people getting friendlier in all realms of the music industry. Yeah. Here in Denver. But I, but I also agree agree with what you're saying. Yeah. I just, I I feel like, you know, jealousy is a human condition. People are always jealous of, people who succeed when they fail or people who are succeeding better in certain areas. And I feel like that, that breeds itself a a little more in Denver, but, um, yeah, I think you're right. I I think, you know, you, you have seen a level of growth in, in every artist and, and being more supportive of their peers here in Denver. And I think, I think it's really taken Denver to have this just stellar music scene in order for that, um, support and that collaboration to kind of come about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's definitely it's definitely a changing scene, and uh, you know Denver's produced some incredible songwriters and incredible artists. Incredible, yeah. Uh, you, you mean name a bunch right now? I mean that uh, we we could, know, yeah. We'd, we'd probably bore people just by name dropping, but but it the thing that I noticed about Denver is that it's not. What genre is Denver? Yeah. Nashville. Nashville. We can put a label on. And I know, I I know, there's incredible artists out of Nashville yeah. that don't go under the strict country label. But yeah, pop is big in Nashville. But too. ask any yeah. muggle on the streets about Nashville, <laughs> and they're gonna tag it with country. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, what are you gonna tag Denver with? Man, I was just having, I was just having this conversation with somebody uh, the other night about what's Denver known for. And that's what makes Denver such a hard breeding ground for music is there's not a certain genre that Denver's known for. Some of the biggest bands that have come out of Denver, you know, we've we've gone all the way from singer-songwriter to rock to pop rock to pop. Straight up. You know, and, and I would name just off the top of my head, Gregory Allen Isakov, Nathaniel Ray Liv, One Republic, The Fray, and 303. And you look at all those bands and None 303, of the, that's some old school shit right there. Right. He definitely went to high school here. Yeah, but they, they just played a Nuggets game. They just performed in a Nuggets game no, the other did. night. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. It was the strangest thing I've ever seen. Um, nobody looked like they were having a good time. Also, those guys are really old now. Is Marshall Gallagher still playing with them? I, I think you know so. Yeah, yeah. Hair? Yep. I think he is. I, I played on his senior recital when I was a freshman. I haven't seen him since, but I but I heard he was playing with them. The, they're all just, they're so old now. Yeah. Like the guys in three or three are old, and I'm like, wow, like, like how old? I don't, I don't know, but one, one, one of them's got school. straight up gray hair. No, no kidding. So his hair is like grayer than mine. So he just turned forty. He just turned forty, <laughs> definitely. But I mean, Denver's not on the map for any specific genre, and that to me is what makes it so difficult to really launch out of Denver. You know, there's some great bands that are really making some headway. Um, Wilderness is one of them. Yep. You know. Andy, you're touring across the country almost regularly. You know, you're breaking into Canada even at times now, and it's like, okay, literally breaking in. We're yeah, not breaking making, in. We're yeah, not you're not fans, you're not stopping at break, customs. You're just in, yeah. you're driving by and flipping the custom border off. No, um, but I mean, it's it's yeah. There's there's so many great artists now trying to break out that it, it would be a real shame for them not to get the attention they deserve because Denver can't identify with a certain genre. And I think maybe that's Denver's charm is 
we're not pigeonholed here. There's something for everybody. Yeah. I think there's I think there's two things. Like you can see a band in another town and be like, what the fuck is that? Oh, they're from Denver. Right. Or something like, Wow, that's a great country band. Where are they from? They're from Denver. Right. And 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 replace the word country with any genre. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Wow, he's a really good singer songwriter. Wow, that's a really good pop duo. Wow, metal punk. Yeah. They're from Denver. Wow, death metal. Cool. From yeah. Denver. Whatever it is. I'd go no, to I, see a death metal band in Denver. I like that. Uh I like that. That that could be our charm. Yeah. I represent the three oh three hard. I think it's important. I think it's important to have some diversity. But you, although you do represent the three oh three, you're gonna move. What, yeah. What are you gonna do in Nashville? Um man, hopefully find my place in this crazy industry that we like to call the music industry. Um what's your place? You know, ideally, I'd love to write songs for other artists. What um, kind of artists? Pop artists, country artists. It wouldn't matter. Um, you want to write good songs. I want to write good songs. And have people appreciate them and record yeah. them. Um, you know, and I'd also like to do some work for TV and film and, you know, maybe have some songs placed in some movies, some, even if it's just indie flicks, you know. I'd... The shins in Garden State is like my ideal scenario, where like I write this song and it's just so monumental for a certain moment in a movie, and people identify a movie based on that song. Um, you know, to me, that's like that's the dream right there. Is like, was I able to orchestrate a moment that people see and identify with very strongly? Yeah. Um. You know, and you you do some compositional work. Um, yeah. You you understand this, but my my favorite movie of all time is Rocky, and I'm a firm believer that which one the first one okay first one uh, I'm a firm believer that without the music in that movie, that movie is very bad. You know what? With that in mind, because I haven't seen it since I was a little kid, I need to go watch it again. But you might be right. I, <laughs> I can almost guarantee you I'm right because yeah. without the music, it is just this terrible movie about this guy who grunts and hits meat in a f- freezer. So to me, I sit there and I go, okay, the music in that movie made that movie. And people who haven't even seen Rocky, they hear, dun, 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 and they go, oh, that's the Rocky theme. Right. They hear Eye of the Tiger. Oh, that's from Rocky. Like, they associate it with that character so much. And like, how cool is it to be the musician, the composer, the band, you know, survivor who, who did Eye of the Tiger? How cool is it to be them and go, you didn't even have to see the movie to know what we created. That's pretty cool. That It's an insane thought. Yeah. <laughs> For people who haven't seen Rocky, they can hear the score and go, I know what this is from. Do you want to be that for somebody? Oh, I'd love to be that. Yeah. Possibly like a Jonah Hill movie or something. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) imagine a world, and this could actually be a thing because I think we're in a period where things are changing so quickly. What if the film scorer or the the songwriter for the film Mm -hmm. actually did get to pick the cast? Oh, that'd be incredible. Wouldn't that be cool? So you're going to do a film. Yeah. 
you're writing the songs for it. Yeah. You're going to perform some of them, but you can pick three other artists to record some of your songs, and you get to pick the cast. The cast in the movie. One, two, three, go. Okay. And I want a very quick plot as well. Okay. Um, plot, some sort of redemption story, uh, starring Robert Downey Jr. Though. Who grew up as with a single mom. Uh, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's call it that. Okay. Um, and just his his life story about becoming a man. There we go. Cool. All right. Love I, it. I think we're is in. Gillette involved in any way? Gillette's not involved. Nike? Uh, Nike, probably not. Converse, okay. yeah. Converse. Who's owned by Nike, so yeah. Let's, okay, sure. Yeah, Nike's involved. Yep, small association. Uh, but Converse, yeah, definitely. Um, so movie stars Robert Downey Jr. Sally Fields plays his mother. <laughs> Okay. I'm okay. Fa- I get to pick the cast. Right. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> you said I got to pick the okay. cast. You get to pick the cast. Uh, his son is played by uh, Penn Badgley. I'm I'm watching that Netflix show You right now, and it's creepy as I'll get out. But uh, Penn Badgley will play his son. Um, the love interest is played by Marissa Tomei. There we go. Okay. Uh, and artists that will record the music for the movie uh glenn hansard okay very good damien rice wow and donovan woods there's a theme here yeah singer songwriters uh sad mopey uh depressing moody badass voices yeah brooding um and then we'll have the ending credits because every movie audience needs to be tricked into believing they had a good time at the movies right the ending credits the song that plays during the ending credits will be a song by John Mayer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> to be tricked into the fact to be, that yeah, yeah, yeah. we spent $45 tonight and there was just two of us. We had a great time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, that's that's just how it goes. You know what? I had to ask this question to all my guests from now on. Okay. That was hilarious. <laughs> I I was spitballing. I was yeah. just coming up with the most random things I could think Robert of. Robert Downey Jr. and Sally Field. Yeah, it's your movie. Yeah. I don't know who plays his dad though in the movie. Well, he's he, member doesn't have one. Yeah, but he meets him at some point in his life. Ah. And develops develops a friendship, learns about forgiveness. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood's a tough one. Maybe Martin Sheen. <laughs> you don't think you can get Eastwood. I don't think there's not a lot to forgive about Clint Eastwood. Like he's just kind of a curmudgeon. <laughs> I've seen trouble with the curve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's even mean in that <laughs> to Amy Adams. How are you mean to Amy Adams in a movie? So I want to talk a little bit about uh, sync licensing. Yeah. That's yeah. something that you've had some success in, something bit, yeah. I've been asking you about because I would like to get some income where I sit around and do nothing. Um, sync licensing is is where you get your songs, a lot of times an instrumental version of your song, yeah. placed in radio, television, commercial, movie, you name it, sync sure. licensing. So tell me how you got into that and maybe tell us, you know, name, you know, bloop bloop a little bit, sure. brag a little bit. What have you gotten, what have you gotten placed? Uh, so I got, I guess first off I should say I got into this because I, the past f- two records I've done have been with uh, Randy Kent, uh, who lives in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. Um, former Denver artist, incredible songwriter, musician, producer. Um, 
and played mandolin on my very first yeah, record yeah, yeah. almost 10 years ago. And and has played mandolin and there's this inside joke with with Randy and I, he will always play a shaker on every song of mine he produces and he'll hide the shaker somewhere and I go what the heck? Like there's a shaker here and it's <laughs> it's it's a laughable moment but it's also like how'd you sneak a shaker into this? Yeah. Like what the hell, dude? Um Randy took a flyer on on recording with me because I it, it was really my first venture into wanting to record and be you know a solo artist and and a songwriter and and Randy kind of was like yeah like I'll work with you I'll I'll record no problem and uh, and Randy and I work together really well I I trust him implicitly with with a lot of things that I do and his ear for production is just stellar so uh, a lot of the success I've had and in some radio and, and commercial placements with him has just been because he's got an ear f- to, to make things sound licensable, like to, to make them sound so good that this can go in the background of something. Yeah. You know, and it's, it, it's great to have somebody like that, that you can bounce ideas off of and collaborate with and be, you know, uh, kind of a hodgepodge in the studio and go, how do we make this sound like something that would be in the background of, you know, commercial TV show, a radio ad, however it goes. So, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I've had I, I've had a little bit, a little bit of success with that with um, yeah, a company here called Rocky Mountain Recorders, uh, run by Chris McNaughton. Um, they have a studio, um, and they they work a lot with like local TV and radio. So, um. Yeah, it, <laughs> I'm I'm eager to give the credit to people who deserve the credit that have kind of helped get me to where I am and kind of like give me the confidence to continue going and continue writing and continue down the path that I'm trying to go down. So yeah, yeah. Um, so you've gotten some things placed, mm-hmm. and what is that like to? watch the commercial or hear the ad yeah that your songs in oh it's so weird um one of the commercials that i got a a radio ad (laughs) it's uh it's for it, it was for an hpv ad and the song that accompanied it was like a love song kind of for nobody i didn't write it for anybody in particular in mind, but I, I just had it. And the first time I heard it, I I didn't hear it until I was driving to work one day and I heard it on the radio and I was like, what is this? That I know the backing track to that. That's my song. But then I listened to the words and it was an HPV ad. I was like, well, that's awkward. But, uh, (laughs) no one's going to Spotify this, but that is my song. (laughs) Yeah. Like no one's going to, no one's going to care that that's my song, but it was an HPV ad. So. That's killer, and you get there's an ego check involved with it, right? Definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> but now, so you get upfront royalties for for most of these or all of them, right? Yeah. And, that, and then you get on some of them, you get back end royalties as well. Some of them, I you know, and I'm I'm still so new to some of this. Yeah. Like I'm not exactly sure how how all of it works. Um, you know. And uh, yeah, so I just I, I I guess I struggle with like the idea of like how much more of this do I, do I need to understand? Or like, am I at a comfort level where I can just sit there and go, 
yeah, like if I see it, I see it. If I don't, I don't. I don't. Like, it's dangerous to be that ignorant. So I'm I'm trying to learn more about it. Yeah, and, and really trying to like find my footing and go, how can I, how can I make this happen more? I think it's an interesting different world too. I write songs for myself or for my band. I don't ever. Well, I mean, with orchestral stuff, I I write for you know a theme. Yeah, but with with my band I certainly don't um but I find it interesting people who either say okay I'm going to write a song to try to get placed in a in a commercial with this sort of topic yeah or this sort of vibe or even one step further they come to you right right the the publisher comes to you and says hey we need a song for a bank commercial with this sort of a vibe and they say okay you know, here it is. Yeah. No, definitely. I mean, that, I guess that's a dream right there. Um, you know, Randy, he has a lot of su- success with people coming to him for ideas for songs for commercials and, and, and that's great. And it's, it's such a finicky world. Um, you know, one of the songs that Randy and I worked on together, it, it was pitched by, you know, a, a sync licensing company that there was this, kind of this call where they were like we need a song that kind of has this feel and this vibe to it and we thought we had the perfect song and it didn't end up getting used for that which is fine but i still got a really great song out of it you know and 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 really kind of was like okay this goes back to being in love with the process where it was like you know someone kind of put a parameter on a song that i should write and they were like see if it fits this and there was an there was an end goal and something where it's like did that take some of the emotion out of it or that takes some of the authenticity out of it for you or not really no um uh, a lot of the bare bones of that song were really in place at the time already um really the only part of that song that we had to kind of push together was the bridge um the bridge i didn't really have uh randy helped write it and it was just it was this really interesting process where it was like okay we really need to make this sound marketable yeah to an extent sure. generic lyrics <laughs> so so now tell tell me about another thing I, I wanted to touch base on i mentioned earlier some of the people you've opened for you've opened for some pretty cool artists and i know yeah. you know as you were saying i think before we started the interview you don't live performing isn't your true passion no um, you want to be a writer, but you do perform live a good bit. You host yeah. an open mic on Thursday nights. So you just came from that. Yeah. Um, who are some of the people you were telling me a list of the people you're opening for? Yeah. Um, open for Lisa Loeb, uh, Vanessa Carlton, Howie Day. How was Lisa Loeb live? Oh, she was incredible. That was at Soiled Up. Yeah, it was. It was a sold out show. It was packed to the brim, and she, she's a gem and the nicest, nicest person. And, uh, wow. I mean, she's, she's an incredible performer live, just blows you away. And she's been around forever. Um, and, and, you know, she's somebody who had a song that went straight to the top of the charts without label, without a label. Yeah. And so she's like your true independent American dream right there as an artist. Like I wrote this song. It was great. And I took it to the top of the charts with no label. And then I got courted. 
and I mean, she's incredible live. One of the most fun shows. Um, you know, I can't say enough for Vanessa Carlton. She's loving, kind, absolutely stellar, charismatic, everything you would imagine she would be. Um, and uh, Stu Larson, Mark Sibilia, have opened for David Ryan Harris, who plays guitar for John Mayer. Wow. Um, yeah. You're friends with Stu Larson, right? Yeah, yeah. Stu and I are buddies. When did you talk to him last? About a week ago. What did you say? Uh, I told him I was jealous that he was in Poland. <laughs> did he respond? Yes, he did. Did he say, ha-ha? No, he listed the name of the hostel that he was staying at and like talked about kind of his travel throughout Europe. He, Stu's kind of a vagabond in a way. Yeah. Where... I don't know that he has an actual physical address anywhere. <laughs> he he travels all the time and writes incredible music. Wow. Um, and so, you know, he, he always has stories to tell about his travels. And that, to me, is kind of the coolest aspect of him is you're not hearing about the stale life of living in one city. You're hearing about being an artist and traveling with your friends all across the world. It's It's absolutely incredible. That's awesome. He's, he was playing in Poland. Yeah, he plays. I th- I'm so he probably everywhere. has management booking. Yeah, I. Yeah, he's got some sort of deal working. Wow. Um, I've I've been fortunate enough to play with him a few times. Uh, one time at the House of Blues in San Diego, and then a couple times here in Denver. In San Diego, how'd you get that gig? Uh, that was with his management, actually, at the time. Um, Were you in California? No, I flew out for that. So you just hit up his management yeah. from Denver and yep. said, can I open for him? Yep. And the two Did shows... Did you let him know that you didn't live in California? Yeah, yeah, no, they, they knew. So. And they did they already know you? Uh, Stu did, yeah, at okay, the time. Okay. His management did not. Cool. Um, I don't think he's with that management company anymore, which is, I guess, fine. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. People drop managers like right, you know, like flies. Um, oh, that was cool that that you got that gig. Yeah, no, I I really loved it, and uh, you know, I've opened for Howie Day and wow. Um, I'm opening for Tyler Hilton in March, and that to me is like I'm getting back into the movie industry a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. So Tyler Hilton, he was on One Tree Hill. He played a character called Chris Keller. And he, Tyler's been a songwriter forever. Um, he's got albums upon albums. Um, he's he's uh, Elvis in yeah in uh, Walk the Line. Walk the Line. Yeah, Johnny Cash. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's an Elvis in Walk the Line. <laughs> and uh, he was in another movie called Charlie Bartlett, uh, alongside Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Anton Charlie Yelchin. Bartlett. I haven't seen Charlie Bartlett. Yeah. That down. Yeah, it's it's a pretty clever movie. His his character he plays the bully. Actually, he plays this bully who has a mohawk and beats students up at a school. So which one of your friends does he remind you of? Uh, Oh, so Charlie. Charlie reminds me of you, in a way. (laughs) No, no, he doesn't. Yeah, no, he does. I don't beat up people. No, Charlie doesn't beat up people. Tyler Hilton's character does. Um, Anton Yelchin plays Charlie Bartlett. Gotcha. In this movie. And uh, his character plays the piano and sings and is very, like... Very charismatic when he plays. Gotcha. And it's yeah, it, it definitely reminds me of you a little bit, <laughs> just just a little. 
Uh, I'm gonna have to watch that movie. It's it's great. It's great. So before we part ways, yeah. we talked about. God, I'm getting so good at this time thing. I looked back and it was just under an hour. Just, there you go. I mean, and, and there's no time limit. But yeah. yeah. Just uh, usually when I look back, it's about an hour, and there it was. Well, I mean, you can only stand to be in the same room as a Cubs fan for so long. Well, we're gonna have a couple more drinks after we turn off the after we <laughs> press the circle button again, but. Uh, we've joked about when you come on the podcast, you premiering a new track. Yeah. Is, is, you might not have a new track ready. Is it possible to premiere a new track on this, on this podcast when it comes out? Maybe. No. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no. no. No, it's not. Um, no, I, uh, uh, I'm actually in the process of writing a record right now. Full record. Yeah. How many tracks? Ten. Ten tracks. Oh, you're not fucking around. No. Um, and it's really, this record, I'm, I'm kind of approaching the writing process a little bit differently and I'm really making sure that I truly love each song. I feel like every record I've put out, every song I put out, like sometimes, sometimes I fall victim to the idea of what it takes to be successful in the music industry and that's stay as relevant as humanly possible. Yeah. And that doesn't always lend itself to writing great songs or songs that I really love. Um, on my last release, Rockford, uh, I I loved all but one of the songs on there. And the song that I didn't love was just, I, I had it, I needed a song, so I put it on there. And I wasn't truly in love with it. And so this record that I'm working on now has more of a collaborative feel. It's got... M- more of a full band intention um, as opposed to just me with, you know, a producer in the room and sampled instruments. It's, it's a truly collaborative and me really kind of at the producer helm of things um, taking the reins. So doing the whole thing. It's different. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. I, well, I'm, I'm excited to hear it and we'll be sure to keep the listeners updated and let them know when it comes out in the meantime where can we go to hear your music spotify um i feel like that's so typical spotify soundcloud apple music yada yada yeah all, all the usual things you're act- um, are you active on uh what's your most active social media platform instagram and twitter instagram and twitter yeah i i struggle with facebook so, i f- i feel like i I feel like everybody hates Facebook now. So I'll link Spotify, Instagram, and Twitter. Yeah. Do you have a website? I do. www.ianmahan.com. I didn't even have to do music. That was the coolest part. Me neither. Yeah. It was like, wow. I feel like good not having it's to nice. have music it's attached nice to my name. Yeah. To put it there. Yeah. It's, it's great. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like we're, Brothers from another mother. Yeah, we a little bit. So much in common. The Catholic school background, the baseball love. Well, we're going to call it quits on the podcast. We're going to take off the kid gloves and uh, talk real baseball. <laughs> I'm going to make Andy cry. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Damn it. I left the click track on again. <laughs> There's my conversation with Ian Mahan. Cool dude, huh? Thanks for coming on the show, buddy. If there's somebody that you want to hear in particular that you'd like me to interview, 
no matter how big or small, established or local, uh, or if you have any comments, concerns, hate mail, death threats, any of those sorts of things, you can send them all to me at middleclassrockstar at gmail.com. If you do enjoy the podcast, please go to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast and rate and review. It really helps me out. If you don't enjoy the podcast, uh, passively switch to something else and don't say anything on iTunes. Okay? Thank you so much. Thanks again to PQ Mastering. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye.